Hello, this is Dan Jones from St. Michael's Church in Colony, New York. I'm sharing this quiet talk with you in hopes that it will encourage you in your walk with God. Last week, we talked about the power of the cross and how by surrendering to death, Jesus defeated the power of Satan. If you didn't hear that one, I would strongly urge you to listen. God wants us to experience his power in our lives, and it's available to you now. That message focused on how God's power enables us to endure whatever Satan throws at us and to keep our faith. It was about weathering the difficulties of life and staying true to Christ no matter what. Today, I want to talk about another aspect of God's power in our lives, power over sin. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I would venture to say that many, if not most, of the people we rub shoulders with every day are not really free. There is something in their lives that controls them. It may be a habit or an addiction to some substance, or it may be fear. It may be bitterness and resentment toward somebody in particular or toward life in general, or it may be the love of money and material things. God didn't create us to be slaves to anything. He created us to be free. It may seem counterintuitive to you, but the path to perfect freedom is through total surrender to God. Freedom comes through submission. Think of surgery. If I have a malignant tumor in my body that is threatening my life, I need to get rid of it. But the only way to do this is to submit to a surgeon. I have to get up on the table and allow them to put me to sleep. During that time, I have absolutely no control over what happens. They could do anything they want to me while I'm under anesthesia. But because I trust the doctor to do what's best for me, I submit. How much more should we submit to the God who created us and who loves us so completely that he delivered up his one and only beloved son to die a horrible death to set us free? And freedom is what this message is all about. St. Paul said in Romans 6.14, For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall have no dominion over you. He didn't say it wouldn't have much dominion. He said no dominion. When Jesus Christ died on Calvary, he finally and completely broke the power of sin. Again, from Paul in Romans 6, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 
so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Although Jesus did not deserve to die since he never sinned, he voluntarily took our sin upon himself and went to the cross to die, to break sin's power over all of humanity. That's what Paul means when he said that Jesus died to sin once for all. Now, as we quoted just a minute ago, sin no longer has any dominion or control over those who submit themselves to Christ and to the power of his atoning death. At this point, we should ask what the second part of that statement means. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. What was he talking about when he said that we are not under law, but under grace? Some people believe that not under law means we can live as we please. We no longer have to obey God's law. The Old Testament gave all these rules and regulations that people had to follow, but now that Jesus is here, all the rules go out the window. Nothing could be further from the truth. This very verse nullifies that idea because it starts out saying that sin will not rule over us. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Paul was accused of promoting sinful behavior by preaching grace. He strongly de denied that slanderous charge. In Romans 6, he said, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Never. Paul found that idea horrifying. First of all, Let's talk about what it means to be under law. The law was a code, a list of commandments or regulations. It shows us how we should live. But there's a problem. The law shows us where we are wrong, but it doesn't give us the power to do right. Chapter 7 of Romans explains our dilemma like this. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin 
that dwells within me. He then says that in light of all this, he has discovered a principle. When I want to do good, evil is right there in my nature. We are sinners by nature. No matter how hard we try, we can't keep the law perfectly. We would wish that God grades on a curve. If our conduct is at least average, we'll be okay. But the standard is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's a high standard. And when we try to live up to that standard in our own strength and willpower, we fail. We become very discouraged. The good news is that Jesus has done for us what we cannot do on our own. He lived a sinless life, and then he willingly died a sinner's death. And in that death, he took all our sin and all its power over us to the cross as well. It was not only the man, Jesus of Nazareth, who died there, but my sin died as well. As a matter of fact, the old man, the old Dan Jones, by faith died with Jesus, and a new man has risen with him. This is a profound truth that is invisible to most people. Please ask God now to give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding so you can grasp this vital principle and believe it. When Jesus died on the cross, I died with him. Paul said in Romans 6, 3 and 4, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptized into his death. That means that through baptism and the faith that accompanies baptism, we share in Christ's death once for all to sin, and we share in his resurrection as well. Victory over sin doesn't come through willpower, but through faith in what Jesus did 2,000 years before we were born. This whole process that God has accomplished can be summed up with one word, grace. We are not under law, but under grace. That means that living God's way is not dependent on my human ability, but on what Jesus did. Again, some people think grace means that God looks the other way when we sin, that he's not so strict as he was back in the Old Testament times. Listen to what the Bible says in Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. 
Grace is not a license to sin. It is victory over the power of sin. I think it's fair to define grace in the New Testament as the desire and power to live God's way. The law is an external command. It tells me what to do, but doesn't give me the power to do it. But grace is a new way. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, we are given a power within, a power to live as God wants us to live. Law cannot change us on the inside. Grace can. Now, there is much more to this, and next week I plan to talk about practical ways to put this power of grace into action in our daily lives. In the meantime, pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him and of His truth, and especially this truth of what it means to identify with Christ in His death and resurrection. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we desire to live holy and righteous and godly in this present world. And the grace of God teaches us how to do that by relying on what Christ has done, by identifying with his death, and by knowing by faith that when Jesus died, I died with him. When he was buried, I was buried with him. And when he rose from the dead, by faith I arose with him and can now walk in a new life of victory over sin. Help us all to see and to grasp this blessed truth and to know and experience the power of God over sin. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Now again, next week I'm going to talk about some practical ways in which we put this into uh, into practice in our daily lives. So I trust you will listen then as well. If you want to contact me, email me at father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.